Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Welcome to Radical Australia Radio 3CR, streaming live on 3CR. .org.au. Unfortunately, I've got to interview another person today, but that's another story. She's brought in notes. We never use notes. We expect people to remember what's happened in their lives, but we'll talk to her in a minute. I've got some bad news. June the 13th will be our Radio Fond Days. We have to collect 850 bucks from the listeners. So we're going to have a special Radio Fond Radical Australia, and uh, if you want to pay a grand, I'll interview you on the day. Otherwise... We're going to have people phone up. That's right, and donate. Well, that's what we think will happen, but seriously, fight for your mic. The 3CR slogan for this year. I don't know who who worked, who kind of worked that one out, but, yep, what can I say? Fight for your mic. Radiophon, starting next week, going for two weeks. We only need a quarter of a million. That's what some people spend on a bottle of champagne, so don't worry. Good afternoon, Irene Mooney. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. I have brought notes in case I have a senior moment. How can you have a senior (laughs) moment? Just to orientate our poor listeners after being harangued for money. Yes. What year were you born? I was born in 1938. Excuse me, could you repeat that again? 1938. That means you're 80, Irene. Uh, I am. I am. Why aren't you in a nursing home? I don't fancy it. Don't I'm still having fun. You're still having fun at 80. <laughs> I am, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's excellent. Now, you know the routine. You're a regular listener. I've known you for a number of decades. Yes. So we'll let the listeners get into our little secret. Not in the biblical sense, obviously, but just, you know. Thank God for that. Oh, my God, that makes two of us. <laughs> that makes two of us. With hey, I was a very attractive woman once. I'm sure well, you still are. That's why I'm a bit worried, Irene. They've put us in front of the microphone. Yeah. They've disappeared. Yeah. The lights are down. I know. The doors are locked. You're worried. I'm petrified. This is a me too situation. (laughs) You've got nothing to worry. This eunuch's got nothing to offer you. Now, Now, let's start. Let's start. What's the earliest thing you remember? I can actually remember being in my cot. In your cot. Yeah, when I was about... Mind you, I was in my cot till I was about two, right. at least. <laughs> but I can remember it, looking at the bars and some were wide and some were narrow and setting oh. my little toys along the foot of the bars and uh-huh. playing in there for hours. Really? Hmm. And also when I was about two, I remember um, there was a hill behind our house and my mm. father took me for a walk on my reins. Remember when children used to wear reins like little yes, yes, ponies? Yes, yes, yes. And going up this steep hill and um, slipping and laughing and I was swinging on the end of the reins and there was all yeah. these primroses growing around and Sounds I was idyllic. only about two then. Sounds idyllic. Where was this? Hmm. This was in Scotland in a Scotland. little town called Gourock on the shores of the River Clyde. What was it called again? Gourock. G O U R O C K. Oh, do you speak Gaelic? Someone, someone said to me, "It sounds like a noise a seagull makes." Gurk. <laughs> <laughs> so, how long did you live there for? I lived there until I was ten. 
Whoa, that's big. Let's yes, go back a few yes, years. Right. So you would have been there during the war. I was. The war, the I, real war, the, the Second big, World the War. The Second World War, the big noisy. And we were on the River Clyde, so there was a lot of bombing uh-huh. after the ship, looking out for the shipyards. Yeah. But um, Did I the, didn't know. You see, I was only about two or three. Yeah. And my parents, God, they must have been good actors. Yeah. They made out that there was a party going on. We had to go down to the air raid shelter nearly every night. The siren would go and they'd say, come on, there's a party. Yeah. So my mother made me the siren suit. Like right, siren suit. Like Winston Churchill had. It was a one-piece. You flung it on over your pyjamas and zipped it up. Right. Down to the party. On the way, we saw fireworks in the sky. Right. There was beautiful big balloons, the barrage balloons, yes, you know. Yes, yes, yes. There was all these explosive noises, and they were saying, oh, this is great, you know. And they, Into the air raid shelter, there's all these people, yeah. and some of them were singing and right. telling jokes, and I thought it was great going to all these parties nearly every night. Right. I was about five before five. I knew there was a war on. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I've heard everything, but it's the first time I've actually heard the Second World War described as a party. A party. It was a party for me. Oh, though. Did, did you have any brothers and sisters at that stage? Uh, not at that stage, no. Right. I was by myself. And so when we'd go down to the parties, right. they, used to, they used to get me to sing. To sing? Yeah. Like what? Get up, get, stand up on the table and sing songs. It started across... Um, there was an old lady apparently very nervous. I never realised that. But my mother said, come on, sing You Are My Sunshine for this old lady. So I did. Yeah. Then they used to get me to sing other songs and give me lollies. So I thought it was Whoa. great. Well, it is. It was a yeah. real party. Yeah. Look, um, could, you, could you sing a few bars for an old man? What of? Whatever you like. <laughs> well, I, t- I tell you what my mother... She must have got a bit bored during the day. I started off singing little childish songs, but then she started teaching me other songs. Other songs? A bit more spicy. R-rated songs. Not R-rated, but a bit more spicy with actions. With actions. We practiced during the day, and then I'd sing them at the party at night and get lollies. This is your Second World War. (laughs) This is my Second World War. And and one of the songs my mother taught me was... um, Salome, Salome, you should see Salome standing there with a the feet all bare. Every little wiggle makes the boys all stare. <laughs> <laughs> and I did actions, you know, wiggled and pointed my toes. As a five fun. and six year old? No, as a three year old. Three year old, and you a got lollies too. And I got paid for it with lollies. <laughs> Look, by some chance, your folks weren't in the theatre, were they? My father was in the theatre. My father loved the theatre. He right. was a theatre manager, actor. Mm-hmm. Very good actor too. I've got lovely photographs of him in in different um, parts he was in in the repertory theatre. And um, I always thought I'd like to be in the theatre. When I was a kid, every night I'd go to sleep and think, yeah, when I'm growing up, I'm going to be an actress. So you actually lived in the (laughs) theatre on the premises or did you? When we went to England, no, no, that was in Glasgow up in the big city and we were down in Gurek. He got the train home every night. But then um, he moved to England. Well, that's interesting, isn't it? Isn't it? <laughs> People wouldn't actually notice the difference, would they? But you have. You said you went from Scotland to England. What do you mean they wouldn't notice the difference? Well, you know, a lot of people, we think it's all the same thing. Great well, Britain. I'm here you know? to tell you it's no, not. It's not, It's no. not the same at all. No. And, and one of the things that's very different is the education system. Well, how's it different? Well, the Scottish schools were a lot stricter. Right. So when I got transferred to England, we all moved to England when my father... So how, old, a job were you in a you were, then. how old were you? In? I was 10. 10, right. So then I had to sit the 11 plus exam. Right. 
And next to the English schools, they thought I was a genius. <laughs> <laughs> I, got, I got all these high marks, so yeah. I got a scholarship to grammar school when I was 11, oh. with most of which I wasted. It was a lovely big grammar school, and it had swim pools, and they taught me to swim. I couldn't well, swim. Yeah, yeah. Um, tennis courts, all so, so lovely. Even, so, so even those days, they were courting working-class kids to come into the private sector they with were. scholarships. Yeah. They're only the smart ones, only the, Well, you don't want the stupid <laughs> ones, do you? No. Yeah, you only want the smart no. ones. Just yeah. the smart ones. Oh, but actually it all backfired because when I was 14, my father got TB and we had to move back to Scotland. Right. And so I was down to the local high school, you know, and they saw yeah. my scholarship and all my marks and put me in the A class. Right. But I was miles behind because right. the English system was not as good as the Scottish system. Right. So I used to get terrible marks in Latin and stuff that I'd been good at in England. Yeah. Yeah. But they were miles ahead in Scotland. Stricter schools, but good schools. Mm. So that period when your father got TB, did you have any brothers and sisters there? Yes, I had a brother. When I was six, I got this little brother. Where did you find him? Yeah. Well, how was that explained to you? Well, we were still in Scotland then. Yeah. So um, they said, now you're going to go and stay with your grandmother for a couple of weeks. I never even noticed that my mother was getting bigger. Right. You know? So I stayed with Gran for a couple of weeks, and one night the phone rang, and they said, um, oh, congratulations, you've got a little baby brother. Uh-huh. And I thought, I don't think, remember asking for a baby brother. <laughs> you know, I was quite happy being the only child. <laughs> so I tried not to like him. You know, he was a dear little thing with curly hair, and I tried yeah. not to like him, but he was so cute, I gave in. You gave in. Looked after him all his life. <laughs> Tell us about your mum. My mum was, well, my parents, her grand, her parents, my grandparents were from London, mm-hmm. but my mother was born in Scotland, but she had a sort of slightly English accent, nice. She worked um, before she was married. She worked in a gown shop. A gown quite a, a shop. Classy, it was called mm-hmm. then a gown shop, yep. a dress shop. It was mm-hmm. a gown shop. And um, my father... Oh, my father was full of dreams. You know, he was going to make a fortune at this and make a fortune. He never quite made a fortune at anything, but right. he tried a lot of things. He, tried, he was a yeah. journalist. He was an engineer right. in the Merchant Navy during the war. Mm-hmm. And um, my poor mother went, along to, next year we're going to be well off. But right. we never were. Yeah. So the TB, how long did that last? Oh, that was, that was nasty. Um, he had that for about two or three years. But we came back to Scotland and he had to go into a sanatorium. Mm. So explain then I had to... Explain what that is to people. Yes. Because most sanat- people would have forgotten. I suppose they have. Yeah. TB was rife in those days. And yeah. my father always said it was a writer's disease because he was a journalist as well. Mm. And a lot of writers did get TB. Yeah, well, George Orwell died yes. of tuberculosis. Yes, yeah. a, lot, a lot of them. Yeah. Um, so the sanatorium was a special hospital for people with TB. And uh, so they were kept separate from everyone else. And you weren't supposed to, children weren't allowed to visit, but um, we used to go and, and he'd come and talk to us through the toilet window. Right. Where we used to smoke. Right. Isn't that a shocker? The poor doctors are in there trying to cure people yeah. and half of them were smoking in the toilet. toilet. I'm sure they knew. <laughs> they just discovered streptomycin at that time. Right. So it was, his lungs were healed, healed. eventually after a few years. So but of course he kept a... smoking. 
He kept yeah. smoking. So he came home after a few years. Yes, yeah, well, he came home just as we were leaving to Australia. Excuse me, hang on, who made the decision? My mother. <laughs> Your mother, <laughs> why, she got sick of living. Yes. Well, my father was in the sanatorium. <laughs> what happened? My mother said, let's go to Australia. Her sister was in Australia, my right. auntie Key and Uncle Danny. Yeah. And they said, you know, you should come out here. Right. But because my father had TB, yeah. he couldn't emigrate. Yeah. And my mother said, look, we'll just go. We'll just tell him behind <laughs> the sanatorium. And he'll come. He'll come. No, no, he was out, just out of the sanatorium then. Right. He'll come after us. And yes. I thought, I was dumb. I mean, I was 19. I should have known better. So you'd finished school by then? Yes. So yes. What, 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 were you actually working then or not? Yeah, well. What were you doing then? Yeah. Well, see, when, when we came back from England, mm. did I tell you when we were in England we had different names? No. When well, we what, moved, what's when, going on here? When we moved to England, yeah. um, my mother said, now, your father's got a stage name in England. It's not, he's not James McFadden while we're in England. He's right. Angus McInnes. Right. So our name's going to be McInnes too. You're Irene McInnes. Yes. Your brother's Barry McInnes. That's what you're known at school. You don't mention the name McFadden again. Right. So dumb again. I thought, oh, that's what you do. Okay, you move to England, you change, change your, name. your name. And it turns out, I asked her years later, I said, listen, why did we have to take my father's stage name? And she said, well, because he was in a bit of trouble with the Inland Revenue. <laughs> he didn't pay He hadn't put his stamps on his tax card thing and yeah. they were catching up with him and he was years behind right. with, his, with his stamps on his, on his tax card. Right. So, <laughs> so we let, did we let that criminal... We let that criminal into Australia. He escaped to Australia, yes. He escaped. He escaped to Australia. What happened? How did he escape? <laughs> well, when he, he got TB, he went back to Scotland and became James McFadden again. Ah, he changed his name. <laughs> so it was so, very useful. So we were all back to being McFadden's again. Yeah, right. <laughs> so he was in the yeah. sanatorium as McGuinness and he came out as McFadden. He came out as McFadden. So right. they never caught him. The tax right. people never caught, caught him. him. Well, yeah. I don't think you get away with that these days. No, you wouldn't. You no, wouldn't. And, you no, know, no. And with days of computers and things, you'd be right Facial onto you. But they never quite caught up with Dad, so no. it was good. Yeah, so, <laughs> so how long were you in Australia before Dad turned up? Just a year. A year. Why not? See, when, when Dad was in the sanatorium at home, mm. I Mum said, you've got to get a job because we've got no money except the <laughs> public benefit thing. Right. So I had to leave school at 15, which... Right. I wasn't really that sad, to be honest, you know. You weren't doing that well in the Scottish system, were you? <laughs> I wasn't doing that well in the Scottish system. So, um, except for the plays, all the school plays they put on. So you right. theatre again, that was mm-hmm. my forty. Yep. And English and history and that. Right. Latin, very bad. But um, You yeah. really haven't missed that, the fact that the, your Latin was bad. Is it, no. really, is it really cramped your style that you didn't know your do, Latin? Well, do you know, <laughs> I, used to th- I used to get the belt because my Latin marks were so – we got strapped a lot in the Scottish schools. That was part of the reason we were such good <laughs> <You> students. <laughs> but um, the Latin, I thought, why are we wasting our time learning this dead language? Do you know it has been so helpful to me? Has it? Like, yeah, when I started nursing – all the medical terms, I understood what they were because mm. I'd lost the grammar in Latin, but I didn't lose the really? vocabulary. Oh. It's um, It helped when I was learning languages, Italian and French, when we were mm. travelling. It hang helps on, with bo- on, botanical hang names. Hang on, hang on. So what did you do between 15 and 19? Well, I was working in – Mum said you've got to get a job and she looked at the paper. She said, there's a good job yeah. for you in a paint and wallpaper shop. <laughs> and she said, oh, I worked in a shop before I was married. That'll do you. And I, I didn't point out that she'd worked in a beautiful gown shop and I was going into a paint and wallpaper shop lugging paintings around. Right. So I did that for a year. Yeah. And my dear Uncle Frankie, um, yeah. my aunt's husband through marriage, 
he said, that's a terrible waste, that girl's smarter than that. Yeah. Glad somebody thought it was smart. So he sent me to college. He said, I'll pay for her to go to commercial college and mm. learn shorthand typing and secretarial work. Right. So then I was doing that. And so when I, I was a £10 migrant to Australia, mm. Mum and Barry had to pay their fares, but I got for £10 because they were looking for shorthand typists, oh, secretary yeah, yeah, people. Yeah. So I assume... Um at your age, she would have, at 19, what's that, mm. 57, isn't it? Uh, yes, yes. You wouldn't have actually been on a jet, would you? No, we were on the ship. For the ship? The, the SS Strathmore, the P&O liner Strathmore, mm. for five weeks. What, for all these 10-pound migrants? <laughs> yes, <laughs> but I thought it was great. We'd had, I'd been to Glasgow twice. You know, we just stayed in our own little town. We never travelled. Mm. So suddenly I'm out on the high seas. I'm seeing Portugal. We, we stopped at Bombay. Uh-huh. We stopped at... Sri Lanka. What, what do you remember about Bombay in 57? It was scary. It was scary. <laughs> <laughs> we got off mum and Barry and I, you know, dumb, no yeah. money, dumb. Yeah. Got off of Bombay and all these, these beggars were harassing us and, and very sad looking people with twisted arms and that mm. oh, it was awful. And this old man came up with a white hair and a white beard and he said, come, 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 I'll show you the dancing elephants. So we thought, oh, that's nice, you know. So he took us through all, got all the rest of the beggars away, took us to see the dancing elephants in the park, which was quite nice. And I remember he picked a frangipani flower, which I'd never seen before, and smelled, smell that, smell that, beautiful. Mm. Mm. I said, what a lovely old man. So then we thought, oh, we'd better get back to the ship. So mum said, I think we'd, we'd better give him something. So we hardly had any money. So she gave him sort of 20 cents, mm. you know. Well, he turned into Rumpelstiltskin. He yes. jumped up and down and screamed and stamped. We were robbing him. We were, oh, it was, we were so scared we ran all the way back to the ship. So that's all we saw, Bombay. <laughs> I didn't realise you were 10-pound palms. No. And I think it was from Bombay that some of the people on the ship went to see the Taj Mahal. Oh, yes. You, you could, yeah, yeah mm. you could go a day trip, yeah. but we couldn't afford it. We had no money anyway, no, so no, we no, couldn't afford any of the day trips. So, so where did you land in Australia? In Fremantle. Fremantle. Free, what, you free got mantle off at Fremantle? Uh, no, that was our first stop in Australia. Yeah, and what did you think? We got it. Oh, I thought it was wonderful. We got off at Fremantle and we got the bus into Perth. Right. And coming from our little scruffy town, yeah. <laughs> Perth looked magnificent. Mm. You know, we went into Myers and it's all the jewellery and, yeah. and we pointed on the bus, we were pointing at all the lovely houses on the way between Fremantle. And they were just ordinary, I realise yeah. now, ordinary yeah. sort of bungalow things. But um, we thought they were lovely. Oh, look at that lovely wee white one with the pink door. And look at that. And I suddenly realised people in the bus were all looking at us and laughing. <laughs> because these Scottish people, look at that beautiful house. And they were just it's Australians, just ordinary houses. I thought they were lovely. Yeah, so, so what, your family lived in rental accommodation in, in England and Scotland? Or yeah, oh, yes. Every, everybody rented then. No, everybody. Nobody owned houses. Well, right. all the people I knew. Nobody had cars. Everybody rented. So it was, it was a big big journey really for a 19 It was, year. it yeah. was, but my mother and brother were there and yeah. I thought my father was coming out, you know, yeah, within stuff. the next year, which yeah. he did, yeah. which he did. But looking back, I realised he might not have. No. He could have got sick again, you know. That's right, yeah. I did feel a, a bit strange when we were leaving. We got on the train and he came to see us onto the train and I suddenly realised he was crying. Right. I'd never seen him cry right before. before. Right. Mm-hmm. He knew. So he thought I might not see them he again knew. and I suddenly thought... Dumb 19-year-old, about yeah. 13 in my brain. Yeah. God, I might not see my dad again. Mm-hmm. But we did. You we did. did. Right. Yeah. So where did you settle in Australia? Well, we came to Melbourne because Auntie Kay and Uncle Danny 
were in Melbourne. Mm. He was a plumber and he'd built this house out at Oak Park in the valley, which there were no roads out there <laughs> then. It was <laughs> That's all. Right. There was this house that Uncle Danny had built <laughs> in the middle of this valley in Oak Park, worth a fortune now. Yeah. And um, we landed, it was in September we came out. We landed about Thursday, and by Monday I had a job. We got the age on Saturday. Right. And it was, there were 14 jobs that I could have easily done. Right. And I would have got, you know, you had a choice of jobs then. Mm. It was it was so much better for young people then. So, 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 so you arrived Thursday, yes. job Monday. Uh, well, interview Monday. Interview and I Monday. think I started Wednesday. Wednesday. <laughs> Six days. In Melbourne, in the city of Melbourne. Days, people wait years on Centrelink. I know. You start allowing It's just disgusting. I know. Straight yeah. in. And in Scotland, I'd earned, it was pounds then, mm. I'd earned four pounds a week mm. in the town chamberlain's office, which was a good job then for mm. a secretary. Mm. And in Australia, I started off at 15 pounds a week. 15 You must have thought you were in paradise. I was, yeah. Except, of course, I had to support my mother and brother because right. my mother never worked. <laughs> and my brother was still at school. So I had to support them. Right. And, so um, you were the sole breadwinner. I was, the, I was the sole breadwinner. So was there was enough money to cover the bills? Yeah, because we lived with Auntie Kay and Uncle oh, Danny, right. they were very generous and let us stay with them. And so yeah. we just put well, in, I put of, my money in. They needed a bit of security in Oak Park because it was so far <laughs> yeah, away yeah, from they the did. CBD. They did, yeah. <laughs> and, and there was, was a little security. sleep out. They moved us down to the sleep out after a few weeks. Looks, uh, but yeah. that was all right. Yeah. And then after I'd been working for about a year, Uncle Danny's, doing my tax with me and he said listen because you've supported your mother mm. and your brother mm. you can get a lot of tax back on mm. this mm. so he, he did it with me and i got 80 pounds tax 80 pounds back, back cash never had that much money in my life and i was just planning what to do with it all we got a letter from my dad saying he wanted to come out and the fare was 80 pounds <laughs> <laughs> So there was my money gone. There was a fair. But I was glad to see. I was happy to pay his fare out. He had a wonderful time on the on the ship coming out. Right, we won't talk. He about came out that. on the ship too. <laughs> no, no, he was well behaved. But he well, ran well because of his theatre thing. Yeah. He ran a whole sh- concert on the ship. He had oh, everybody right. in the ship, ship in the show. In the show. <laughs> <laughs> and they all loved him. He had a great time. Right. So. Did you continue as a secretary or did you move on to other work? I did. I continued as a secretary. Um, my dear friend Carol, that we used to, I used to go to work from Oak Park. She, mm. They had a house further up the valley. We used to walk through all this mud and leave our old shoes at the, at the station and get on yeah. the train. I nearly died when we got on the old Red Rattler trains yeah. and the doors were open. <laughs> I was I freaked out. You know, I forgot. <laughs> anyway, Carol and I decided we were going on a working trip around Australia. Mm. What year was as, this? As, this was uh, when I was about 20, 60? so 50, no, 58, 59. Yeah, yeah. But we never got past Sydney because we liked it so much that we stayed in Sydney and we had a great time there for a couple of years. And um, and then that was when I changed careers because I had a few boyfriends in Sydney mm. and I was also on again, off again with Max Carol's brother, mm. but he was in Melbourne and I was in Sydney, so mm. I had some other friends as well. Mm. All innocent in those days, Joseph. Don't look at me like that. No, no, no. It was all on. innocent. There was none of this. Yeah, that's what you tell us. Stay- no, it was. <laughs> it was. Pure as a driven snow, I was. Exactly. Anyway, I had this nice boyfriend called Tom that I was fine. English, he was. Mm. And he had a terrible car accident and driving back from Brisbane mm. in um, Armadale. And his parents weren't here, but he's aunt was here and she asked if I'd go up and travel in the ambulance with him. Right. 
was absolutely horrified when I saw him. He was such a mess. He was unconscious. His head was all swollen, you know, and they were saying, oh, he might, he might not make it mm. you know, for the ambulance trip. So anyway, I got in the ambulance with this young nurse. So by this time I'm 20 right. and he's this 18-year-old nurse. Mm. Big trip, I don't know how many hours it was. It seemed like forever. Mm. It was quite a lot of driving hours from Armadale to Sydney. It is, yeah. Um, kept him alive the whole way. Just yeah. this this nurse, she was feeding him through the feeding tube. She was emptying catheters. She was giving him injections. I'm sitting there like a big useless twit, you know. And I thought, yeah. God, this is my friend. She can do all this. I can't do any of this. Right. I, I'm just a party girl. You right. know? <laughs> I can't do anything here. So it, it really struck me that I wanted a bit of a challenge in my life. Mm. And, I, and I looked at her and I thought, yep. That's what I want to do. I, I want to be a nurse. I want to learn how to look after people. If I ever have a family, I'll be able to look after them. It's give me a bit more depth and meaning in my life. Oh, so it's so one of those moments, isn't it? It was. It was a life-shaming moment. So mm-hmm. I came back to Melbourne. So what happened to the old boyfriend? He stayed in Sydney. And he you stayed came back. in Sydney. <laughs> <laughs> yes, left people all over the place. Exactly. You came back. <laughs> I came back to Melbourne, yeah. and I. Uh, I saw an ad for the Austin Hospital. Mm. It said hospital in the garden. And I lo- I've always liked gardens. That's so I thought, right. that'd be nice. That'd yeah. be nice. They didn't tell you what type of people no! they were. <laughs> no, God help us. So, but it was a very good training yeah. because they had everything there. They had cancer wards, orthopedic, children's wards, spinal unit, yes. operating theatre. Yes. So it was, it was a terrific training. And I loved it from the very beginning. And I was a bit older than some of the girls, a lot of 16-year-old, 17-year-old girls starting off there, and mm. I was 20. Mm. But that was sort of, um, that was a bit of an advantage in a way. I had a bit of life experience. Uh, yeah, well, you travelled from Melbourne to Sydney. <laughs> yes, yes, I travelled from Scotland in five weeks. Yeah. Um, so, and it was all new to me. We never yeah. learned anything at school about how the body works. And, right. that, and I was right. fascinated. I, I loved it. Mm. I got high marks in the exam. I was smart again. After right. all these years, <laughs> I was clever again, <laughs> which was nice. And um, I was very prim and proper. Yes. I was a class captain. Yes. I was the nurse of the year. Yes. I was in good with all the sisters, or most of them. Most. <laughs> most of them. There was a couple I didn't like. But most of them, you know, I just loved the whole business. And then they said, um, well, look, they sent me to the TB ward first. Right. That was my first one. She was a lovely sister, so that was a great start. Because I had such a good resistance to TB, TB because right. of my dad, my arm swelled up when he got the man two test. Yeah. So, um, yeah, they said, well, look, the, the, the tutor sister said, now some of you nurses will be going to the spinal unit, and there's young men there in wheelchairs. And some of them are a bit cheeky, you know, so you have to be very professional. Right. Make sure. So we're sending Nurse McFadden first. Right. <laughs> you were the forward To scout. set an example. You were the forward to set an example. She'll show you how to behave in a professional sure manner. manner. <laughs> so what happened to Nurse Irene McFadden? Oh, God. Well, I expected it to be a sad ward, right. you know. And the first day I got there, I'm going up in the lift, and I thought, oh, this is going to be terrible. <laughs> All these – because the young men that have broken their necks or broken their backs, you yeah. know, the quadriplegics, they never – are paraplegics, yeah. you know, they're never going to be able to walk again. They're stuck mm. in wheelchairs the rest of their life. And I got up the ward, heard all this music, all right. this more pop music playing, and they were sitting around, they were smoking cigarettes. Right. Some of the paras were holding cigarettes for the quadriplegics. <laughs> <laughs> And 
they were doing crosswords and they were doing all sorts of this isn't bad. This is quite nice. But I was still very professional until I met one Bill Mooney, who was um, a bit of an intriguing person. It wasn't just that he was handsome, he was. He was, uh, he was gorgeous. But it wasn't just that, he was, he was an artist. He disappeared every day down to occupational therapy and, and they said, oh, he's down there learning to paint oil paints with a brush in his mouth. Right. God, and then he had exhibitions in the city, and uh-huh. um, I, I spoke to him a couple of times, and he, he was very interesting. And then he asked me to go to a party with him, and I, that was banned. You know, you couldn't go out with patients to a party. With patients, yeah, not right. at all. And I thought, mm. well, I'll just go once just to see what it's like. Yeah. So um, that was a really nice house in Kew, and there's a couple mm. of people in wheelchairs and a couple of other people. So he met me. He said, I'll come and pick you up. Outside the wall, outside the nurse's home. Ooh. I'll get in a taxi in the ward. We'll drive around the hospital, out in the street and back up again yes. to, to the wall behind the nurse's home. Because and you, you, you were, hop in you, the taxi. Because in those days, you lived on the hospital premises. I lived in the nurse's home, And you'd yes. have to have permission to get going. Yes, yeah. and you had to have a pass. If you were going to be later than 10 o'clock, you had to you have, have a pass. pass. And, oh, so right. I got a pass. Right. <laughs> and we, we went and... I just found he was so interesting to talk to. He hadn't talked much on the ward, but mm. he was he was just so interested to talk to. So um, then I got shifted to the children's ward, and I thought, oh, well, that's just as well. Yeah. Then a note appeared under the door. So you're in the, the nurse's, nurse's home, quarters. there was a note under the door, uh-huh. and written beautifully, uh-huh. w- but with a pen in the mouth from uh-huh. Bill, saying, uh-huh. would I like to come to a, a barbecue down in Mount Martha? Uh-huh. <laughs> so I thought, I'll, I'll just go just this once more. So uh-huh. anyway, that's how it progressed. And then a friend of mine, Judy, who was a nurse, and her boyfriend used to take us out to the drive-in. Mm. You know, we'd still meet behind the wall. It was still forbidden. Right. We went to see um, West Side Story at the drive-in, I remember. Uh-huh. And a couple of days later, under my door in the nursing was was the big LP music from um, West Side Story. He, I think he was courting you this time. He, he was, but this time <laughs> he was courting me, and, and <laughs> but this time my resolve was weakening. And right. anyway, to cut a long story short, he, he asked me to marry him, and I said yes. And what year was that? That was 1963. Excellent. Well, you, yes. have a, you have a drink of water and have a right. relax. Look, this is Radical Australian Community Radio 3CR. The uh, program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. We're interviewing Irene McGuinness, Irene McFadgett, but Irene Mooney <laughs> is her real name these days, Irene Mooney. And uh, it's been quite a rollicking yarn up to 1963. Now, what do people think? Here you are, a young woman. You're marrying mm. a gentleman who's, you know, Bill Mooney, talented mm-hmm. man, but he's a quadriplegic. Yeah. He's physically... Uh, uh, it's got a lot of physical limitations. Mm-hmm. What did um, mm-hmm. the nursing school think? When you... Oh, the nursing school were, were horrified. <laughs> right. I was supposed to be setting a good example. This is exactly what they didn't want to happen. Right. And um, I wrote a letter of resignation to the matron, and mm. of course she called me up to the afternoon. What am I supposed to make of this? She flung my letter on the desk. <laughs> and um, she tried to talk me into staying at the hospital another year. Mm. And then I sort of realised she really was concerned for me, you know. Yes. She and she said, sort of nicely after she told me off, <laughs> she said sort of nicely, "Look, if you're going to be doing things for him for mm. the rest of his life, do mm. this one thing for yourself, stay for another year, right. and um, make sure you're doing the right thing, and I'll pretend I don't know about it." Right. Which was very big of it, you know. Right. So I, I was quite touched. Did you stay the so other year? I said no. <laughs> <laughs> 
no, no. I, I, th- I thought, oh, no, no. <laughs> it, it just felt right to leave then, to yeah. marry him then, to, yeah. to do it all then. I thought. So it how won't old were you? How old you were? What twenty three? Twenty three. And yes. how old was Bill? Yes. Oh, you'd have to say that, wouldn't you? He was twenty one. Twenty one. <laughs> so a bit of a cradle snatcher. Yes, it was. Right. But he was a lot right. older than me in a lot of ways. Right. A lot more sensible so, in a lot so, of ways. So obviously, when you got married, um, you wouldn't be able to work because in those days there weren't carers. No. Well, actually, I did mm. because. Um, about two months before we got married, my father died suddenly, mm. which was just a horrible shock. And, mm. and he'd been a journalist on the on the local, the Essendon Gazette, right. and he had his own column there. So we got a lot of people writing letters, how sorry they were. Because he'd kept smoking, so his lungs were in a terrible state, and then he had a heart attack. Yeah. So he just yep. was in hospital one night and dead the next day. So, But we, I thought, well, well, we won't postpone the wedding because... Um, you know, Bill had organised to leave the hospital and my mother had nowhere to live yeah, then <laughs> because right. she, they'd been renting, you know. Right. So we rented a house together. So my mother and brother came to live with us in a right. rented house right. in um, Nidri. And, but then we didn't have much money. See, Bill never got any compensation for it. His was a diving accident. He dived into a lake out at Greenvale. Mm. And um, broke his neck. Some idiot. I mean, they, they all swam there. The nurses from the local hospital all swam there, and all the young people did. But some idiot had put tipped um, forty gallon drums into the into the lake just to get rid of them. The, right. You know, so when he dived in where he usually dived, he's, he hit his head yeah, on these drums. Right. You know, I think people. Pleasure. I think in this day and age, when we're talking about the national disability insurance scheme, which, yep. as you know, people yeah. like Bill fought for, for for many, many, many years. And yeah. in those days that there were people who were compensated. Yes. Yeah. It was a workplace accident, yep. a motor vehicle accident. Yep. Yep. And everybody else had to make do with their family. Yep, that's and if, right. And if you didn't have a family, you got institutionalised. That's right. Yeah. It would have been would have been terrible. So how, how, how did you how did you survive? Well, Bill had become a member, a student member of the Mouth and Foot Painting Association, who send out cards at Christmas time and birthday cards. Was this this international association? Uh, yes, international association, mm-hmm. and um, they've got artists all around the world. Not many; there was only about a hundred full members all around the world. You had to be very good to get in there. He was a student member when we got married, mm-hmm. and he was, as a student, he was getting fifteen pounds a week. You know, supposed to be for lessons and paints and things, mm-hmm. and the rent of the house was eight pounds a week. <laughs> <laughs> but fortunately, he got um, made a full member, right. and um, and then every year you're in the in the association. It's a wonderful thing. Please buy the cards, people. <laughs> we don't need it now, but the mouth and foot painting artists genuinely the artists get the money. They're genuinely painted by the mouth or the foot. Yeah. And it saved our lives, you know. When I look back, so many things could have gone wrong. I was so headstrong and I thought, I can make Bill happy. We can make a good life. If if he hadn't been made a member and we had financial security, if his health had given way or my health had given way or we hadn't had a family, Mm. life, it could have been terrible. I can see why my parents were worried about it at the time. (laughs) But we were so lucky. I'm eternally grateful for how lucky my life has been and how well things have turned out. Mm. 
Going back, I kind of diverted you. Going back to mm-hmm. this, you said you had a job. Was that? Was, did you take over your father's column or something? No. <laughs> no, because my mother lived with us, mm. um, I did night duty as a nurse mm. at a private nursing home. Right. It, which okay. was horrible, a horrible place. Poor old people stuck in their bed. You know, you're dragging mm. them out at five in the morning to wash them. Mm. You know, it was, it, was, it was a terrible place, actually. Mm. And I hated it there, so I did that for about a year or two. So what I did, I worked all night, and then I came home and got Bill up into his wheelchair. Then I went to bed, and my mother gave Bill his breakfast and looked after him during the day. Right. Then I got up and went back to night duty again. And Bill would be painting during the day. And he was painting during the day, yes. Right, so yeah. it wasn't easy. And sending in his paintings. So we managed, we managed. And mm. my mother put in a bit of her pension. Right. And did you, did you have any children? Yes, not for five years because we were told we probably wouldn't be able to have children. Mm. At, at the start, I thought, oh, well, that would be sad. But, you know. but after five years, I was desperate to have <laughs> children. You know? And we're living in this. But this time we'd bought this little house up in East Keeler, a little brick veneer. Yeah. Um, but it was at least not rent. You know, We were buying it. And all the houses around, there were young families and nappies out yes. in the line and things. Yeah. So by hook or by crook, we managed to have three children. Right. <laughs> In the next few years, and that has made all the difference. How's, how's they were wonderful. They're, they've all been a great help with Bill, and he was a great help with them when right. they were young. Right. You know, they they did all they stood on his foot plate and right. did the homework with them, and they never missed out having a father in a wheelchair. They never missed out on anything. He went because, to all the you're, sports. You're talking. You're talking about a period. You're talking about the sixties and seventies mm. and eighties yeah. when yeah. people in wheelchair really. If you weren't didn't get compensated, if you yeah. got, even if you got compensated, yeah. very small, yeah. really had to exist on their own. And some still do. Some, some still, still do. do. I agree. I agree. Mm. But but in those days, it was exceptionally difficult for people to be it independent, was. It and was. many people were institutionalised unnecessarily. Yep. Yeah. yeah, that's what would have happened to Bill. So to tell us, now you looked after Bill all your life, haven't you? For 53 years. 53 of years. Of my 80 years, yes. yes. 80 years. <laughs> I think they worked that out. That's right. 53 years. Yeah. Could you – I think people think it's – people are just in a wheelchair. It's easy. Can you, can you explain to people <laughs> what you would do on a normal day, just an oh, average no. normal day? Oh, well, especially because Bill was painting in the afternoon. Well, well, just getting him up in the morning was – see, we didn't have any help then. Right. For the first 25 years, we didn't have any help. Well, the kids helped. When the kids were little, they were wonderful. They'd help lift him in and out of the car and uh, feed him meals and this sort of thing. And my yeah. mother was there, so, so she helped babysitting mm. so as I could join a theatre group and mm. balance my life a little bit. But other than that, it's, it's, it's really hard work looking after a quadriplegic, um, getting him up in the morning, um, you know, meals... All the personal care, all the things we didn't have. We didn't even have a proper lifting machine then. No. But I was much stronger then when mm. I was young. Mm. But after twenty-five years, when the kids were sort of grown up and and gone, Let, let's get back to that period. All I, right. I think it's important. Okay. I think people forget how difficult it has been for people with disabilities yeah. in this country. Yeah. Yep. And I know there's a lot of people complaining about the NDIS is mm. not fast enough, or not, mm. they're not getting enough hours. But mm. the reality is that in those days. If you didn't have a family, no, you didn't live at home. It was that simple. No. Well, Bill was in the Austin for four years before we got married. Yes. And he would have finished up in a nursing home. Except he would have married another nurse, of course. You reckon he was that? He was, <laughs> I reckon, of course. Was, I found out afterwards he had several girlfriends before me. Whoa. I thought I was the first. <laughs> 
Well, knowing mm. Bill, I'm not surprised. Yeah, yeah, but he was exceptional and mm. exceptionally mm. lucky to be a member of the Marathon mm. Foot Pain Association. Anyone just trying to struggle on a pension and look after someone in a wheelchair, I don't know how they'd do it. No. I really don't know how they would do now, it. As you said, he was a full member. Yes. Which meant... He became a full member. Right. Yes. Which meant the world opened up to both of it you. It did. So it what happened? It did. Well, um, when the kids were all little... Um, mm. He got chosen. Or he got voted in to go as a representative of Australia because there were only four of the main full members in Australia. Mm. The headquarters were in Liechtenstein, and that was because um, it started off just after the war, and, and they thought, well, that little country will never be. It's an international association. That little country will never be in trouble if there's another war. We can still pay all the artists around the world. Right. So there was this meeting in Toronto of all the representatives from each country. What year was this? Just roughly. Um, oh, well, you wouldn't let me look at my notes. No, 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 you don't need... I mean, <laughs> so there's nothing wrong with your remember. brain, Irene. I can't remember that well, what 70s year it or was. 80s, 70s or 80s. Um, it would be... Well, the kids were 68, 70s, so it would be about 75. Right. Yes. So the association, the mouth of foot painting artists, <laughs> um, paid our fare for Bill to go and represent Australia in Toronto, a meeting in Toronto of... of representatives from all around the world. And we were so thrilled to be travelling overseas that we, we organised this route. I went to, we went to Singapore to see a friend of mine there. We went to Scotland. We went to Toronto. <laughs> then we went to America, San Francisco, came back through Honolulu. We were all, away for five weeks. And this was all courtesy of the... <laughs> this was all courtesy. <laughs> How did you convince them? <laughs> I don't know. I, well, we, you, I, know, I know what we did. I know yeah. how we did it yeah. because... Um, because Bill was a quadriplegic, they bought us a first-class ticket. Right. And we changed it for tourist tickets. Right. So for the same money, we got right round the, the world. But we did it by ourselves. I don't know how I managed Just that. Just you no. and Bill. Just me and Bill. You did all the... I did all the... Because in those days, you wouldn't have aisle chairs, would you, in the park? No, they weren't aisle chairs. No. You had to rely on the poor staff yeah. to carry people into, into the seats and yeah. out of the seats and things. But... People were very kind and very helpful, but not many people in wheelchairs travelled then. See, no. a lot of people can travel now. But yes. and then it was quite a rarity. Very rare. So they made a bit of a fuss of us usually at the yeah. airports. They were quite nice to us. Did, did, did you take Bill to your hometown? I did. <laughs> we went back to Gurukh. <laughs> what did he say? <laughs> I don't think he was that impressed. <laughs> but it was beautiful weather. He, he did love Scotland, I must say he did, because okay. his name was Mooney, so right. his father was of Irish descent. Mm-hmm. So I think you've always got that little bit in your blood, yeah. Celtic. Scottish Irish thing. Yeah. He really liked Scotland. Mm. He really loved Scotland, and we back, went back several times after that. So we got to several over the years, over the next twenty-five years. We got to to meetings. He represented Australia in um, Lisbon, Madrid, um, Shanghai, um, all wonderful places. We, Shanghai. We got to, yes, there was a meeting in Shanghai. That was the last meeting we went to. Right. And my, our eldest son, Adam, and his wife, Louise, came mm. to with, with us. Yeah. yeah. And before that, our second son, Paul, used to travel with us right. to all the meetings overseas. He had a great old time. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he did. I'm sure but he did. He's it a... was very, very good, you yeah. know, to, someone to help lift on and off off the oh, plane and, and help with the other. When we got to the meetings, he helped mm. with the other Mm. Artist too. These sounds uh, like junkets. Were these junkets? They actually did something at no, the meeting. No, no, they had a conference when they all the artists met each other and they mm. voted in the new committee. No, no, it was it wasn't a junket. Mm. It was serious stuff. 
But what it also was... So this was, is interesting about the international yeah. like foot and mouth artists. They actually yes. run their own association. Yes. They control their own yes. association. Yes, it's not a charity. No, no. It's, it's, a, it's a genuine association of artists, handicapped. It was started by uh, Arnold Stegman mm-hmm. in, back in 1960 or 1959, I think, and he was an armless artist. He could walk around, but he'd lost his arms, arms in an arms. accident. And, yeah. he, was a, and he, he was a very famous artist, a wonderful artist. And he started off this whole association. So they actually controlled their own affairs. There weren't, yes. and it wasn't a charity. It was a business. No, 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 no. no. And and, the, um, and the, we all got to vote. Right. We all got to. Oh, the artists did, not the thing, family. The, yeah. Yeah. They, they all got to vote in the committee and make decisions on things. It's it's a, it was it's a wonderful. I don't know what our life would have been like without it. It must be very difficult for them now with the internet. Things have changed. Yes. Yes. See, not as many people are even sending Christmas cards now. No. Or even birthday cards. Mm. You know, people are. Sending emails and things, so so that's a bit difficult. Uh, uh, Irene, that's my job. <laughs> well, I'm not getting to the interesting bit of the story yet about my daughter and my grandchildren, and time's nearly up. Well, we don't care about them. Oh, we care. You're, we're they're talking, lovely. Well, they can come in, and oh, I'm happy to interview <laughs> them. I'm here to talk about about you. I'm not here to okay. talk about your bloody all family. Right. I mean, I okay. know all. I know your whole family. Yes, you do, and they're pretty boring you compared do. to you. <laughs> oh, they are not. They are all wonderful. My eldest son's the CEO of Good Shepherd. So I, what's the Good know? Shepherd? Well, he runs a microfinance part of it. They yeah. they help people. You know, it's like non-government organisation. He's always done that kind of work. Yeah. Uh, my second son's a, a builder, and mm. he's he's helped with my um, my husband over the years and built extension on our house and lived around the corner mm. so as he could help us. My daughter was a star of stage, screen, and radio. Wendy star, Mooney. Star, <laughs> stage, stage, screen, screen and, and radio. radio. Wendy Mooney. Wendy Mooney. Miss Wendy from Miss Don't Wendy. Your Tooth Price for those who can remember that far back. So Miss Wendy did what? Um, she was on television, yeah, yeah, Don't Forget Your Toothbrush. But she was also on radio for quite a few yes. years with um, Richard Stubbs. Yes. Is there any work for an out-of-work uh, <laughs> artist if they get a little bit longer in the tooth? There isn't, is there? <laughs> well, she's got a family now and she lives in the country with Scott and uh-huh. they've, they've fixed up a little old cottage for me next uh-huh. door to them, so I uh-huh. spend a lot of time up there. Uh-huh. And can I talk about my lovely grandchildren that are in of the theatre? Continued, of course, of continued of the course. thing of my father. But, but that's because of you. Come yeah, well, on, I was in the theatre for years. Let's, let's be serious. In, in the local. You've actually encouraged that. Your parents, of course. Yeah. Of course. I was in the local theatre for years. It really helped balance my life, you know. And because my mother lived with us, I could go to rehearsals and be in musicals and prance around the stage, and the kids saw that, and now mm. they all do it. Mm. So how do you feel about life today for younger people? I mean, you, you, yeah. you're a very... Very wise old woman. Oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> well, you're intelligent. You kept telling me. Sometimes you're stupid. Most times you're intelligent. Sometimes I'm intelligent. I mean, I mean, you've gone through some difficult periods, mm. and you've actually been able to make something important of your life. Mm. Uh, how do you feel about your grandchildren's future? Oh well, of course they're all wonderful, so they're all going to do well. But for young people in general, I worry for them, you know. And I think when you watch the news at night, you could cry sometimes to see all the injustice and suffering that's in the world. Mm. So I, I think young people, you've just got to tune into the positive and um, try and balance your life. And we're still living in the best country in the world. Mm. You know, mm. when you when you look at what's happening around the world, you think, God, we are so lucky here. Mm. We're well, so no, 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 we're not lucky. 
actually struggle for it. Well, well uh, some people struggle more than others. Yeah. I have been lucky, but I know there's a lot of people not nearly as lucky as me. No, but I think I think a lot of people f- make that. They think, oh, it's just a lucky country. It's not a lucky country. I mean, we, what we had, what we had, is due to the struggles of people in this country. Yes, that's why. Yeah, we and we're starting to lose a lot of that, that's and right. that makes me sad for the young yeah. people coming up, and especially if they're not going to be able to buy houses and they're not going to be able to have permanent jobs. And fancy starting off your life with a debt and education. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's a shocker. Hex. Uh, I mean, if you've got rich parents, it doesn't really matter yeah. because they'll cover the debt. Yeah. You know, yeah. But if yeah. it's as if everything is stacked against people who are having got the bank of mum and dad to support it them is. Days. Well, that's what we need people like you for. Me? On the, on the radio. Right. <laughs> Geeing people up. Hey, that's what I did want to say before yes, we run yeah. out of time. I looked Stop after looking Bill. At your watch, <laughs> Stop looking after your bloody watch. I'm trying to organise you. <laughs> All right, thank you. <laughs> the, um, after 25 years of looking after Bill, when I was getting very started to get very tired and run down, but I could still do it, yeah. but it was getting harder every year, mm. we were given from courtesy of the government, thank you, government, attendant care, mm. 32 hours a fortnight of attendant care. Mm. So, so somebody came in and got Bill up and got him dressed in the morning and, and all this sort of thing. That's We just had a few hours a day and um, it just made all the difference. Mm. And then we heard about this lovely doctor who did home visits, a spinal specialist, so that when Bill got sick, I didn't have to drag him up to the local GP or drag him back over mm. to the Austin Hospital. I don't know this man. Yes. I don't know this man. Yes. No, a wonderful know. man. I don't know this man. No, <laughs> came, no, no, no. Came no, to no. the house whenever no. you just had to ring up and yeah, he'd, he'd no, stomp and mutter, know. but he'd come over. And I don't know this man. He kept Bill going. He kept Bill going and, and Bill lived to, he was 73 when everyone said he only had about 10 years to live mm. because mm. of one Joseph Toscano who came to the house and bulk build. Ah, thank fine. you, God. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you for the attendant cares, lovely Sylvie and all the, the people we've had over the years that have, that have helped look after Bill. I didn't do it all on my own for the last 25 years. But and you I'm did for the first very, 25 years. For the first 25 I did. Uh, I'm very, very grateful for all the help. That the I, universe I think, has sent me. <laughs> well, I think I think people forget we're actually part of a community. Yes. I mean, t- today we don't think we're part. Of, we think yeah. we're all these wonderful individuals yeah. who are out there striving, no, competing. No. But we're no, all no. part, of, and we seem to have lost that. What do you think? Well, I haven't lost that. Our community. I know all my neighbours. Most mm-hmm. a lot of people have lost that, and mm-hmm. I think that's very sad too. I know all my neighbours. You know, I speak to them regularly. We, any of us, we're not in each other's pockets, but mm. any of us needed help, mm. we'd be there. I've watched neighbours' children grow up and bring back their grandchildren. We've got a little community in East Keeler, oh, which gosh. is really very nice. It's uh, fading a bit because every time our little brick veneers gets old, they get pulled down and three big townhouses go up. up. Yeah, so, yeah. And, and then they're, they're young people, though, with mm. young families, so that's nice. Mm. But community is very, very important. I, we all marched. The Nidri Quarry, I don't know if you remember that, yeah, about 20 about years ago. Story. Oh, God. Jeff Kennett, he was he had sold or organised to sell the Nidri Quarry for a toxic tip. Mm. Now the Nidri Quarry is in among houses like the East Keel and Nidri, you know, near Essendon and all that. There's a mm. stream going through it, Steel Creek, into the Maribyrnong. The Maribyrnong is into the bay. Mm. This was going to be a toxic tip, and the man that owned it was selling it for millions. He he was going to get millions if it was turning into a housing estate. But he would have got four times as many millions if it was going to be a toxic tip. Mm. And Jeff Kennett said, no, it's a done deal. You know, 
sorry, we all complained, not sorry. So we all got out and marched. Mm. And I'm not really a marcher, but we all got out and marched, chanting, you know, Nidri Lake, whatever it takes, you know. <laughs> and then Jeff realised he might be lo- going to lose the election. Yeah. So he came out and he promised us all that it would be a thing. And, and this old bloke got up and said, we want it in writing. Every house has to get a letter from you signed by you. So we all got a letter saying, yes, it'll go for housing. It won't go for a toxic tip. And now there's houses all around it. There's a boardwalk. There's a nice lake. There's landscaping. I'll take my wee dog down there. Uh, Nidri uh, Lake, whatever it takes. You know, yeah. so communities can do things. Well, they can. This was this a local initiative. Yeah. And uh, it worked well yeah, together. Yeah, and it did. I mean, I mean, the, the county government was beaten back on a number of fronts. Yeah. People forget that. Richmond School, North Yeah, yeah, yeah it was terrible. Things got jeffed. I remember yeah. when they used Jeffed. to say things got, <laughs> got jeffed. <laughs> Funnily enough, if you read some of the articles he writes now, he's, yeah. he's quite nice in some ways. Oh, well. But when he was in power, he did no. some terrible things. Now, have you got any parting thoughts for the two listeners we have here? Oh, dear. Your, <laughs> well, your my, daughter. My your daughter family. and your son. Your my family, family are yeah. listening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Hello, grandchildren. Lovely Millie, Jasmine, Daisy, uh, the twins, right. <laughs> Hamish, Will. Um, parting thoughts. Well, I'm very grateful. I'm very. People say, "Oh, 80." You know, how do you feel about being 80? I'm thrilled to be 80. I'm very grateful for my mm. life and all the the, th- the good things. And I think for young people, if you can balance your life, that's that's one of the best things you can do. With your life, you know, not just what all one mean, week or all. What do you mean balance? Well, just do things for yourself. Do things for other people. Mm. I, I'm in this group called Days for Girls. Mm. And um, this this is um, a, a group that um, get together for girls' education. Girls, girls in countries, you know, the poorer countries, mm. um, they, they have to stay home one one week a month for obviously you know the menstruation thing, yep. and they they didn't have any equipment. This this group, all these women get together, and I just love doing this. And and you get all these coloured cotton materials, and you cut them up, and you make these little bags and pants and and waterproof things, so these girls can go to school four weeks mm-hmm. a month in, right. instead of three weeks. You know, and I think for young people, we need more women to be educated because you men are making a bit of a mess of it. Really, no, to be made, honest, we made a big mess. <laughs> you big, you made a big mess. So the more girls that we can get educated for, for young people, let's educate our girls. Michelle Obama says, "Let girls learn." Mm. You know, girls have to get out there and learn. And if you can just do things with other people, like I'm in a choir. Like my voice alone. Well, you've heard me sing. It's no, not good. Brilliant. It's, brilliant. it's not good. <laughs> but in a choir. And I think that's a good metaphor for life. Mm. All together, people in the choir, you can make a lovely sound. You can get get things done. Right. You know, so young people, don't lose heart. Don't lose heart, young people. It's, mm. it's still a wonderful world. Well, all I can say is I actually had the pleasure of attending your 80th birthday party, <laughs> and I did have an excellent time. It was good, wasn't it? It was good. You know, you should be really proud. I am. You and Bill. You and Bill yes, I am. should be really proud yep. of the impact you've made on society and your local community, especially your local community. Mm. And I think you are a wonderful example of what people can do when they set their their minds to it. And I understand you're writing a book. Well, a memoir. memoir. I'm writing a memoir. Not that I think I'm that interesting, but I've seen a lot of interesting things and been a lot of interesting places, met a lot of interesting people. And I'd like to write that for my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren and... Someone said, you know, um, I'll leave myself 
when I go, I leave myself as words on a page to be read by people I care about. Mm. So I'm leaving myself as words on a page. And I feel just getting to 80, I'm just getting the hang of life when it's nearly time to go. <laughs> well, Irene, can you make me one promise before we go? Yes. Because the next program is battering the door down. Mm-hmm. Can you promise to invite me to your 100th birthday party? Oh, well, if I'm still here. And I'm still and here. And if you're still here, I promise. Thank you very much. Thank you, Irene Mooney. Thank you for coming to the studio. We've got to vacate now. They're throwing us out. We've been talking for an hour and you didn't use your notes once. No, I didn't.